Before that, Johnny Apple say, also known as Johnny Apple, stop and stopping because uh, we got Madame Claire Yanish. She's uh, one of the people we need to be big friends with. Top of the morning to you, Claire. Thank you for joining us. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Lovely to have you. Claire, you are a professional in the biomimicry and of course uh, you founded uh, one of the organizations. Please tell us, what is biomimicry? Well, biomimicry is about learning from nature, not just learning about nature in order to copy nature. So we'll learn from a gecko's foot, or how a gecko can attach to a ceiling and use that learning to invent new tape that allows us to the carpets or wallpaper um, without using glues. Or, so it's about shifting our perspective from what nature has to teach us in terms of solving some of our problems for this. So it's learning and copying from Mother Nature. Exactly. Mm. And, and how, how aware are we as, as, as South Africans of biomimicry as, as a career? Um, it doesn't seem like when you ask the common person, but if you actually do a Google Analytics, for the term biomimicry, South Africa comes up as the number one region in the world where it's being um, searched for, and Cape Town, the number two city in being searched for. So we, we must be more aware than the rest of the world, but it's, it's not a common thing that you hear about. Is it because of our fauna and flora? Yes, it's because, of, it's because of people coming here to explore nature because we have such a wonderful, vast beauty of nature here, but they come to learn from the experts the things of biomimicry specifically, but also because we're applying projects in South Africa which we're actually using biomimicry to solve mm. some of our challenges. Yeah, yeah. And, and how big a contribution does biomimicry play in how the world looks today and how it can look tomorrow? Well, I think it should have a very significant contribution in that we're pushed right now to solve some massive challenges like climate change, to be more sustainable, to make things without using toxic materials. And when we look to see how could we do this, we find that right outside, you know, millions of years of experience, it's already been done. Some of the toughest, most advanced materials we find in nature are completely life-friendly and made at very low temperatures, and they use carbon as a feedstock, so basically bringing carbon out of the atmosphere and using it as, as a raw material. So. Um, how do we clean water? Nature's been doing that for millions of years. How do we clean toxic heavy metals? Well, there's some amazing bacteria that are doing that. So it's really, it's, it's a growing field that I think has increased by a factor of 450%. If you just look at the number of patents, the number of um, tenders that have been going out there in the last 10 years, mm. it's a rapidly growing field. So you constantly are looking for solutions to uh, problems that you anticipate might be there? Yes, no, well, not only that we anticipate, but that we know it. Um, so if you really have a challenge, you say, um, okay, I need to air condition my building. How do I air condition it in a way that doesn't use fossil fuels or it's more efficient? And then you just shift your question because there's, there's no air conditioners in nature. So you say, well, what do we really want to do? We want to regulate the temperature of this building. So how does nature regulate temperature? Mm. And then you go and search and you find things like termite mounds have been doing that really effectively. And... There's a building in Harare in Zimbabwe where it's mimicked uh, termite mound and they use 80% less energy than the building, the typical building, equivalent of its size. Huh. Now, w with the challenge we've had in the last while, load shedding and all of that, can biomimicry mitigate in this, in, in this instance? Sure. I mean, we're finding, I mean, my, my, I'm a chemical engineer and I find that almost everything that we make in the field of chemical engineering has some 
toxic or high energy consequences. And we're finding that almost everything that we make, we can find a recipe in nature. So, for example, a shell, like a seashell, is the equivalent of a ceramic. Um, it's made at the seawater temperature, but we make ceramics at 2,000 degrees Celsius. Um, a spider web, equivalent of Kevlar, when we heat petrol and sulfuric acid at 750 degrees Celsius, spider webs are made out of basically dead flies and insects, basically, and, and water, and at the temperature of the body of the fly. And the recipe is so life-friendly, you can, you know, the spider can eat it when it's with it. There's, there's these recipes we're now getting that if we copy, we don't have to use as much energy. I mean, really dropping from 2,000 feet to seawater temperature is massive, and we're using life-friendly chemistry. It really does solve some hectically big challenges for us, and then it's a matter of reverse engineering that, figuring out how to make it, um, and replacing a lot of the materials that we use by emulating nature's materials. I'm actually awed by the number of examples or, or the number of solutions that uh, biomimicry has brought forward, like Velcro, among others, uh, swimsuits for, you know, uh, top people like uh, Claude Lachaud, uh, Le Clos, and uh, turbines, jets, paint. Yeah, the first is life itself. I mean, it will be everything from looking at how the brain works neural networks for computers to understanding distribution patterns in nature to help improve the way we distribute energy, um, to designing buildings, to designing whole cities that start to provide their own ecosystem services instead of just tapping the ecosystem services from nature. So it really is, is it's exciting for me because I never get bored. It's always a new field, a new, a new challenge to look at, and a new way to go and discover the genius of nature and see how that's really been solved. So basically what biomimicry says, it says nothing goes to waste in nature. We've just got to find ways uh, of, of dealing with it. Yes, more than nothing goes to waste. It actually turns everything into something greater. Um, if, a, if a tree falls in the forest, it's eaten by fungus. The fungus gets eaten by a mouse. The mouse gets eaten by an owl. You know, the owl then have and the next body will become the next tree or the next part of the forest. So we've got to say, how can we take our waste and actually generate, if we took cost instead of generating recycled cardboard that, you know, now becomes toilet paper or something, we, why can't we treat that cardboard as if it's like a fallen tree? And what if we fed that to worms with the manure, and that worm um, is an earthworm, and that earthworm then can be fed to a fish that produces caviar, and you've basically turned your cardboard into caviar, and you've still got compost coming out of the out of the worm as well. You, you see, there's just so much potential for generating employment, for generating more abundance. If we shift our perspective to um, how do we turn this um, problem into an opportunity, and you'll find that that's generally the what nature's done. Like this is this is a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. So what can we do with it? Hmm. And the kind of person who becomes a biomimic uh, scientist, what kind of person would you describe as? Well, you don't have to be a scientist. Um, uh, we have game rangers working for us. People are in the field every day and you know, on safari. They understand nature. They can interpret it really well. We have designers, people who are just industrial designers or communications designers. We have engineers. We have architects. Um, we have people who've done pure biology. Um, it's anyone who really either is fascinated by the natural world and realizes that there's such an opportunity for us to learn from, and anyone who's actually designing our world, whether they're architects or designers or engineers or even who's studying the depth of it, to say, actually, we can take what we're learning and we can, we can actually apply it 
in a new way. And, and as engineers, we can actually learn how and humble ourselves, really, to solve some of the challenges that we, not only that we're facing, but actually we've created. And we need to actually start thinking how we can uncreate those challenges that we that we basically the consequences of not looking at the bigger picture of our planet. It fascinates me like surgery fascinates me, I promise you. Um, mm. Obviously, um, the learning process continues. You have professionals who take time out and study particular organisms, life forms, and see how, like I was looking at the, the, the bug in the desert that's able to harvest water, how that kind of technology is used today. Well, yeah, and we take people out into the field. We have expeditions. Ivy can get your company and they'll come with us or we'll just have open ones every year. We've got one coming up in Bali in March, which is like a really, it's an excuse to say, okay, let's go on an adventure in nature, but let's learn, let's learn stuff that we really can apply in our field. And whoever comes on that expedition, we then tailor make. What are you searching for? Are you searching how to reduce fouling in your pipes, in which case we can look at seashells and how they have a stock protein that does that. Are you looking to capture water from frogs, in which case we can study a, a beetle in the desert? Or are you looking how to manage, you know, flood events, in which case we go to a rainforest and help you with that? So it, it's really about what's the question you have and how can we find a place where you can go and find a solution with that. Mm. But we also have just general individuals who say, this is fascinating, I just want to come on a holiday which has got a completely different you know, lens for me and will experience the wonders of nature and just come back totally inspired by what I've learned and, you know, moved by how amazing nature is. And, and that's also really worth it, whether you're a scientist or not. So it's looking for a solution. It's, it's uh, satisfying one's curio- curiosity in, in, in a more enriching way so that one really uh, begins to understand and appreciate uh, nature and the ecosystems better. Yes. I mean, if you go on safari somewhere, you come back, how do you integrate that into your life? You had a wonderful experience learning about nature, but how do you, if you shifted your perspective and you, everything you saw, you started to learn from, and then you took it back, you know, you can help businesses understand how to communicate better. You can help, you know, young kids who are really battling with math, see how the patterns in nature really describe math in a more interesting and fascinating way. I mean, it's everybody. It's just, it's just a, a real, a real opportunity just to shift our lens to a new way of viewing and valuing nature. I, I just get the feeling that, uh, you know, when you get to uh, a career crossroads, as it were, and you've done one thing for too long and you're looking for something new, biomimicry could actually help you in that regard. Yes, definitely. And, and we have kids who just finished matric who don't know what to do next to come and spend a few months with us and sort of figure out what, what's out there. Um, what else is possible? I mean, many people want to spend a bit of time in nature, but if you just had a different opportunity, just, not just to, to retreat so much, but to retreat and rethink and reimagine, the creative side of, of it is, is really inspiring. What if we redesigned, reimagined our world the way nature um, basically nourishes life with everything it does? It's, it's a very satisfying and very meaningful opportunity to rethink your career or wherever you might be going next. Oh, you've always wondered how things work. Yeah, exactly. It's a kind of a combination of the way, I suppose, National Geographic and Popular Science, you know, that, that combination of, wow, let's discover something amazing, but let's start invent something with it. If, if you want to get into the industry, I mean, you are the founder of Biomimicry South Africa and, of course, a biomimicry professional. Uh, how do you approach this from a starting point of view? Well, you can enter in two different ways. You could just come on an exhibition and, and see what you discover and feel like, well, this is wow, I love it, and how do I learn more? 
Well, you could come on our more um, city-based um, trainings, which are sort of introduction, one-on-one, and then you go deeper from that. And then there's all the way from that first stepping stone all the way into, you know, professional degrees and, and masters in biomimicry. The first masters in biomimicry in the world has just graduated. Um, so there's just a, a learning pathway that just goes as deep.